Would you rather talk about your sex life or money life? Surprisingly, most people would rather not talk about money, how to save it or invest it. This podcast is about helping you simplify your money life. Delivered by Dr. Henry Joseph Speck, a psychologist by training, Henry is a seasoned investor with over 40 years of successful investing in real estate, stocks and other alternate forms of income generation. Tune in to the twice-monthly podcasts to get his thoughts and tips on how to reach financial freedom. How to achieve the life you deserve. Now, here's Dr. Speck. Please remember this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your financial advisor or investment specialist before you make any changes to your investment policy or stocks or bonds or real estate you may own. I am not an investment advisor. I am simply talking about what I'm doing in our investments for your entertainment purposes. This is Shrink Money Advice for January 17th, 2021. Another week that's hard to describe or explain, but certainly helps us understand the volatility in the world just in the sense of what's happening. And I just finished a great book called The New Great Depression by James Rickards. And I strongly recommend you read it. Uh, it just came out. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about some of the themes in that book and how it might relate to just, you know, what is going on and, and what your investments should look like. So in the book, James Rickards talks about the fact that it really differentiates between a recession and a depression and says that, generally speaking, when we had recessions, they're fairly brief and they don't change the construct of society or the, the, the systems that we have as much. Whereas the depression is generational change. And the examples in history are given with regard to different pandemics, different economic and other issues that led to depressions in the past. And according to Mr. Rickards, well, uh, you know, well, well researched, uh, without, I believe, any political leaning, even though the book just came out uh, after the summer, so it certainly deals with COVID and what's happening today. And he talks about investment advice related to six-month cycles in the sense of knowing where you are today and knowing the long-term implications of what's happening around this. And I, I've talked about this in other podcasts that I really believe there's some real structural change that's happening. Um Let's talk about a few of them, and then I'll try to relate it back to the book. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I want to talk a little bit about my experience being on a annual meeting of a startup we invested in and one of the fundamental problems with uh, angel investing today. So let's start with, um, with what we've noticed around us. Now, in Ontario right now, we're in another lockdown. Other than going to the grocery store and essential services, you're not supposed to go anywhere, but it's, it's quite a mixed message because... You can, certain stores are open for curbside pickup, which wouldn't sound like essential, but you can still go. Um, no one really knows what is or isn't essential. Uh, I watched a police chief say until the night before the lockdown, they really didn't know what the rules were. So it, it, there's a great deal of confusion in Ontario, as there is throughout North America and other parts of the world, about just what, what, what we're supposed to do uh, when we're given the, these type of instructions. Now, um, in the book, The New Great Depression, the talk is really about all of the other consequences that happen when you engage in lockdowns or you engage in different, um, you know, community 
um, restrictions or community reactions to a virus or a pandemic. The long-term implications, uh, let's use the example of the destruction of small business. Depending on where you are, what country and so on, anywhere from 50 to 70% of the economy is small business. If 30% of those small businesses go away forever, yes, others will be created, but that all takes time. The question that Rickards asks is what happens to those economies? What happens to our economy? And then there's a great deal of discussion about inflation, deflation, what assets to own, the relationship between gold. And I think I, a few podcasts ago, I talked about real estate values in terms of ounces of gold from the time you purchased it till the value today in dollars and also in ounces of gold. And how do those sort of uh, relate? Not just ounces of gold, but also could be copper, silver, wheat, corn, soybeans, pork, whatever you want to put in that basket. How does the value of that house relate to those products? So the question of, well, the value hasn't really gone up much, but the price has gone up, talks about inflation and deflation. And some very interesting discussions about gold. The concept of, of structural change is really fascinating because you have to wonder with the amount of savings that are going. Now, now Rickards talk, we always talk about, you know, they've always talked about you should save more, people should save more, spend less. And Rickards talks about that in a negative way as far as the velocity of money. That because 70 or 80%, I believe he says, of the economy is consumer spending. When consumers stop spending, we have a problem with regard to the economy. And, and, and according to what he's saying, he believes that structural change, that people will be saving for a very long period of time because there's so much insecurity with jobs, employment. And he also talks about the secondary uh, side effects of guaranteed minimum income, where as more and more government support comes out, companies are saying it's more and more difficult to find employees that are willing to work. So there's, there's that on top of the pandemic, on top of the vaccine issues, on top of the new government in the United States, and all kinds of stresses throughout the world. And according to Rickards, this leads him to believe that we're in the middle of a new Great Depression that will take years, if not decades, to work itself through. It's a fascinating read. I mean, regardless of uh, where you're at with investments, what you're doing, uh, I can say one of the suggestions he has, which, I, which I've talked about in, in the book when it came out, was diversification, not by different stocks, but by different type of assets. If you remember in the book, Shrink Money Advice, I talk about you know stocks, real estate, bonds, cash, uh, green energy, um, angel investing, and, and just different forms of investments which are, are not correlated but provide you with security and also assistance. He also talks about, in his book, uh, residential real estate as being a positive thing and eventually there being opportunities in commercial real estate based on what's happening in the office industry. Now, if we just look at offices, that's another fascinating area to wonder. Uh, people want to interact with other people. But companies are very much realizing, if you look at what happened, I believe it was Facebook that said, you know, you're welcome to work from home, but let's say you move from San Francisco to northern Michigan, and the price of a house in San Francisco is about $2.5 million. 
The the price of a house in your community in northern Michigan where you've moved to is two hundred thousand. So rather than paying you one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, we're going to pay you fifty because we think that's relative to the cost of living where you're now living and working, and commuting. You don't have to have a car. You don't have to pay for all those high cost of living. So it's fair. They're saying. Now, there's a lot of ethical and financial issues with suddenly saying to people, we're going to pay you not based on your value to our company, but we're going to base it on what you spend to live. So if you, I mean, that that just, I don't know if that's going to happen, but if you think about that for a moment, beyond that, the next question is, there are many people who would prefer to work from home, not everyone, but is that 10%? Is it 5 Is it 20 is it 30? And what percent will be required to work from home? Greeks, companies will be saying, look, you need to stay at home because we don't have office space for you. Many companies are downsizing as far as the infrastructure. Not only that, but the infrastructure to support the employees is being farmed out. So when you think of that as far as structural change, as Rickards talks about, um, what, are, what are the consequences of that? Well, the companies that sell, say, coffee, the morning coffee on the way to work. What's the point of that? If you're at home, you make your own. Uh, cars, gas stations, uh, with that, repairs on cars. Uh, you could argue the uh, environment will be better for it. We'll have less, uh, you know, carbon uh, spewing out into the environment and so on. So there's all these structural changes. We're really not sure the amount of the change, but there will be change. And, and psychologically, there's been some significant findings regarding um, the impact of the shutdowns and the other um, issues, including the COVID reaction or interactions with our neurology, that there's some suggestion that COVID actually, even though you recover, can cause long-term neurological issues, both with adults and children. So if you layer all these events on top of each other, these these happenings. We know there's going to be more happenings. This week, there's an inauguration of the new president of the United States. The question is, what's going to happen? How is President Trump going to leave? Are they going to arrest him for crimes? What are they going to do? What are his followers going to do? The radical group, I mean, there's 80 or 75 million Americans who vote. And, and by the way, 90% of Americans say they'd vote for him again today, after everything that's happened, that voted for him before. So there's a strong push and pull going on uh, and so what I want to leave you with the records and the, the new Great Depression is it does have implications of how you invest today according to records we are in a bubble and eventually the the stock market has to rectify it with what's happening in the environment and there's such a space or a difference right now it makes no sense one thing he said that really struck me was that 90% of the trades done on, on the stock exchange in the United States are done by robots making decisions based on artificial intelligence so the robots are actually trading your future in, uh, retirement or your mutual fund where if there's articles in the newspaper or people coming out saying things the robots pick up that and they then buy and sell stock based on that it could be many times a day it could be once a week whatever it is um, the robots also apparently look at statistically uh, you know recession to the mean so if there's a big drop in price of stocks or overall market the robots will go in and buy more and push the market price up again because they know mo most of the time that happens and then they're a benefit of their own action because you know if that's what happens then obviously they will sell again and buy and so on and churn that out meanwhile 
10% of investors are, are people, many of them rookies, who, who don't get, who don't understand is continually buy based on trends and based on things that have nothing to do with the underlying companies. Small companies, as we've been buying, are not part of that entire push and pull because there's such a small trade, there's such a low volume or they're so small that most, most systems don't even, aren't even aware of them. Uh, so there is this concern I have and many have with the artificial nature of what's happening in the stock market. There's also a re, and just to summarize, one of the other important factors I think from the book is a relook at what's happening with gold and what is gold historically. Uh, from the very early days up until today, what has its place been in economics? So that's The New Great Depression by James Rickards. Strongly recommend you pick it up. I, I just did mine on Kindle. It's a great read. Let's talk a little bit about my experience. I, won't, I don't want to get into you know, specifics, just that I was on an annual um, call for a small startup. We invested a very small amount in. But even though I don't care if it's $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, I think, you know, you want to know how your money is being spent and dealt with. So the two points I asked about quickly and then got off the call because it was a waste of my time. The first, uh, the company had about $900,000 in sales or sorry, $600,000 in sales, but had about $1.2 million in salary expense. So obviously my first question was, you know, what are you doing to get that in line with what's going on? And of course the response was, well, we need staff for this and this, and we're raising more money. Basically it's like going down in the basement, printing more stock certificates and selling them, so we're, we're diluting everybody else. But that's our policy and that's what we're doing. And then they said, well, the current value of the company is about $1.2 million. But we believe by the fall, when we're getting close to break even, and we have sales of $1.2 million, the value, no, sorry, let me, let me start that over. They said that the value of the company when sales hit $1.2 million in the fall will be $20 million. So I said, well, that's, I asked the question, I said, well, that's interesting, but how did you come up with that number? And again, it was a blah, blah, blah of different uh, kind of situations today where people are... Oh, by the way, it took a very long time when I asked about financials and questions again to get those answers. And they weren't clear. There was no transparency. Um, there's no business model to profitability. There isn't even a business model. I'm not even sure what product they sell. Yet we invested in this angel company. So as we develop more and more structure around our agile investments, it's going to be more and more difficult for these people to be able to receive any funds from us because none of them will meet the criteria. Um, for example, transparency. How often are you, are you going to be sharing detailed financial statements? Um, how do you expect to uh, get to profitability? Um, what are the people that you're hiring and what are they for and how much salary do you take and how much stock do you expect to create, I call it, and I know there's many other terms for it, to be able to fund these expansions and so on. So it's very disheartening to hear some of these responses, some of the arrogance of some of these uh, owners who have never, ever had a successful business or worked in a successful business enterprise. So they have no clue. And so before we write checks, I think all of us need to ask some of those difficult questions. One thing we're also going to be doing if we get to that stage before we invest is to ask the owners or founders to allow their background history and financial status be explored by 
um, one of the companies we use to do this with tenants so we can find out your credit history, your social media experience, any criminal charges, and so on. I think you have to have appropriate due diligence with these companies because unlike public companies, and even public companies are interesting, and I'll, I'll tail off with, an, uh, with a question on a public company, but the idea being that you know, these, these uh, startups run by angel investors, we really don't know a great deal about them. Um, even when you do a sort of a surface review, as I do on Google and other things to find out more about them and LinkedIn and do a, a phone interview or some consultation, um, you, you have to dig a little deeper because whether it's 500 or 25,000 or 100,000, you're investing your hard-earned dollars into these new investments. And my question is, why should you? I'll close out on a couple things. So still still bullish on, on obviously, real estate doing some new opportunities there, and we'll talk about those once they're closed. We haven't closed on them yet, so we're not going to share that, but um, a real pivot for us in, in our, uh, you know, multi-residential uh, uh, assessments and developments based on what's happening with COVID, and I think trends that will be with us for at least this generation and possibly the next. Uh, on the public side, I, I did hear the other day that... Um, Killam was building, uh, Killam is a REIT, uh, operates on the stock exchange. We, we were owners at some point in some of their shares, but not now. Uh, the, the company announced that they were building new apartment buildings at a cost of $1 million a door, which really goes to the point of value and, uh, and what is the tenant that will be residing in a multi-unit building where the cost is $1 million a door to construct, particularly with what's going on with COVID today and the, the search for space, as I call it. People want space, but proximity to services and fun. So if you're building an apartment building, people are going to have to take elevators. People are going to be, even though the apartments may be quite expansive and expensive, if you still have to go through one entranceway where everybody else goes, or you're going to be walking through the hallway, or however you're going to be getting to your unit, unless you have your own private elevator, of course, which would be extremely costly, are you willing to pay for that? Because on the cost of $1 million a door, we, we have to be looking at, uh, you know, costs that are, are just significantly higher than most people are willing to pay today for rental accommodation. That's it for this Shrink Money Advice. I'm Hank. You have an amazing week. It's going to be an interesting one, and we'll be talking again next weekend. Take care. You have been listening to the Shrink Money Advice podcast with Dr. Henry Joseph Speck. Remember to pick up your copy of Dr. Speck's latest book, Shrink Money Advice, on Amazon.ca or the audio version at awesound.com. That's A-W-E sound.com. 